Welcome to And Almost Starring, the show where each week we take a film and break down the casting, including who almost starred. I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And a month of spooky, scary films comes to an end with Alion. For better or for worse, out there is a universe where it may seem bizarre, but they were almost starring. Amy Jo, how are you doing today? I am okay, Jeff. We're back in New York. You sure are. I mean, by the time this comes out, we'll have been here for this like is true. a month. But right. um, we're recording this, these very. We've recorded all these Halloween episodes very early. You know, we're trying to be on the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless, I'm thrilled to be back. It's fall and it's New York. And yes. it's great. Yes. How are you? I'm good. I uh, second all of those thoughts. It's gonna be back here in our. Podcast, Much smaller po- podcast closet. closet about uh, half the size, third of the size. Much yeah. smaller, tighter quarters, but it's all good. I'm that much closer to my podcast host. <laughs> we get that, that much more of a rapport. <laughs> uh, now, Alien is a sci-fi horror thriller that came out on June 22nd, 1979, and was directed by Ridley Scott and written by Dan O'Bannon. Uh, Amy Jo, what's your experience with Alien? Had you seen it before? <laughs> I love how our listeners uh, suddenly think you speak French. Um, Le Alien. Le Alien. Um, that's probably the incorrect article. I don't. I don't know. I probably. certainly don't speak French. Nor do I. I speak this... fake French. <laughs> you, speak, you speak that fake French. Um, but yeah, I'd only seen it once. Um, because I was not a horror mm. movie fan, and I know this like walks the line, you yeah. know. Um, but like sci-fi horror, I was like. Who needs it? Um, but I watched it with my mom in the basement of the house that we were just in for a few months. Um, and it was like very dark and this like big screen. And we were just like yelping and screaming. She had seen it before, but not for many years. So that was probably uh, I don't know, and, like as you said before, 10 years ago. In these preceding weeks of our spooky scary movies of how we have needed to watch these movies during the daytime of Psycho and I Silence mean, of the Lambs. Um, that is that much funnier that you and your mother both chose to watch this at night. Well, uh, we we may have done Alien 2. We did like Alien and Alien 2 the same week. So we may have done one of them during the day and one like a couple days later Les at night. Aliens. Uh, mm, yes, I was trying to go. It's just not happening. Um, I like to remember that the fourth Alien is directed by, uh, what's his face, Jean-Pierre Chenu. They did Amelie because I was like, oh, little French alien, little xenomorph running around with Amelie. Amelie's trying to bring love to this xenomorph. Like, I think oh, wait, that... That director did the alien movie. A striped turtleneck and a beret would look quite handsome on on this oh, xenomorph. Yeah. He's just riding a bicycle. He's got his grocery bag with a big old baguette popping out of it. Sure. Yeah, he the like second mouth the reaches second... out to like chomp the end of the baguette. Oh, oh, he's just smoking a cigarette, and then he the second mouth pops out and has its own like smaller cigarette, <laughs> a little cigarillo. Disgusting. <laughs> Um, yeah, the thing is, like, I also just, after years of living in apartments with, like, usually one entrance and exit point, something about being in a house again, even though I grew up in, in, like, the suburbs and houses, like, multiple doors in, like, freak me out. And the, the basement where we were watching all these movies in Colorado has like a whole wall of glass doors, but at night you can't see out, but you yeah. know, there's no, there's no curtains to, pot- no. to cover that up to forget that there so, could be anything could be right there. It's just really stressful for me to feel like, is someone yeah. going to bust through at any moment? 
and just, I don't know, go to town. But Alien's a little bit different because I don't worry about being in outer space so much, you know? I forget where they land. There's like one, the second Alien versus Predator movie where they crash land in, I don't think Colorado, but somewhere in the Midwest. (laughs) So it's like, that's really the only one. And we'd be like, great, now I got to worry about aliens here as well. Swell. As long as I'm not up on the Nostromo, I should be okay. As long as I'm not up on some spooky alien planet. We're like, oh, I think there's a distress call. Let's go explore this planet of eggs. A planet of eggs? Yes. When they get the, when they go to explore, it's just that planet is just full of these. It's just like, get out of there. This room full of eggs. It's like, oh, let's just, we got to check these bad boys out. Yeah, I'd forgotten how much that other planet, like the, the like ruins of mm. the architecture looks like a very grand uh, episode of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, sure. Just like, oh, this is a very Baroque sewer system. <laughs> Yeah, Shredder just crash landed on this planet, and then the eggs open up, and it's like the when they do the flashback in the first Ninja Turtle movie, you got all the little turtles that are like, meh, meh, I love pizza. Uh, or even better, it's like the second Ninja Turtles movie, so you've got the, uh, whatever their name are, that turtle and like wolf dog creature, where they come, the, the, the eggs would open, and John Hurt is like, what's this? And it would be like, these little monsters would look up, and they, they'd be like, da-da, oh. and John Hurt's it's like, oh, they're babies. It's <laughs> dreadful. That would I I think this movie already a classic, such a great movie. One thousand percent improved improved if the xenomorph could speak. Just just basic like syllable, just like that that it just like keeps being like and like Sigourney like mama. That it gets into that in those sequels where it's like she's like now the alien because it's partially bred from her DNA or something. So it's like an alien. I've only seen the first hybrid. two, so and I uh, think well, I'm okay with that. Ones. Yeah, yeah, they're not great, but I do want to rewatch them. <laughs> I, because I've, I've seen Alien and Aliens, uh, Les Aliens, so many times. But Alien, uh, whatever French is for three, and uh, Alien, whatever <laughs> French is, uh, Alien toi, and whatever French is for resurrection. Uh, resurrection. <laughs> uh, How you say? Uh, um, I've only seen them once each. And I'm, I know that's for the best. Why go back? Listen, if you're screaming, like, don't do it. I don't know. The third one's David Fincher and the fourth one's Jean-Pierre Jeunet. So you still have these interesting directors that are doing their best to implement their style with some truly dreadful scripts. But part of me still is curious. I gotta go back. I think you probably will, knowing you. I know. Well, they got you got, like, Charles Dance running around that third one. Love a Charles Dance. You've got, like, Ron Perlman and um, Winona, Winona, Winona Ryder in the fourth one. Well, you got, like, you know? fun actors who I enjoy watching, and I kind of want to watch them get munched on by, an al- by Liz Elions. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and I had seen this in high school for the first time. I think that that's when I was just, like... In, as I mentioned before in the pod, that's when I was like, oh, I'm going to watch all these classics. I'm going to watch all these, like, 70s and, like, 60s and, like, 70s and before was when I was, like, because I remember that's also when I first saw Halloween. I feel like I saw Halloween and Alien both around, like, in the same October that I was, like, I'm going to watch these classic films. But I was also, you know, I was, like, 14 and a jerk. So I was just, like, fine. Uh- Wasn't scared. I was, like, this is good. But I'm, like, not scared. I'm not interested in good. I'm interested in crying from fear. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to cry from fear. I was, I was one of those cool kids that are like, hey, if I'm not weeping and pissing my pants, then st- get out of here, you dumb movie. Get it, zero stars for me, bro. Uh, I, exactly. I, I give this film four out of four pissed pants. <laughs> and I give it three out of ten teardrops. Three out of ten teardrops, four out of four pee pants. 
Uh, spoilers ahead, if you have not seen Alien or you haven't seen it in a while, here's a brief-ish synopsis. The commercial space tug Nostromo is on a return trip back to Earth with a seven-member crew in stasis. Captain Dallas, Executive Officer Kane, Warrant Officer Ripley, Navigator Lambert, Science Officer Ash, and two engineers, Parker and Brett. Detecting a transmission, the ship's computer, Mother, awakens the crew. Company policy requires any potential distress signal be investigated, so they land on the moon, sustaining damage from its atmosphere and rocky landscape. Parker and Brett repair the ship, while Dallas, Kane, and Lambert head out to investigate. They discover the signal comes from a derelict alien ship and enter it, losing communication with the Nostromo. Ripley... What great timing. Then deciphers part of the transmission and is like, oh, this is a warning. Uh, and we're like, oh, you can't relay this information to those on the derelict ship. So, and our first moment of Ash being like the most blatantly evil How robot. would you ever watch this the first time and not know? I mean, uh, Ian Holm is a marvelous actor. He's so good. But it's just like- yeah, I mean, you have to buy it as kind of like, oh, it's a cold, emotionless scientist. But it's just like, he, how do you see it and not go like, this guy is evil as hell? Well, the thing, he, he doesn't play it cold and emotionless. Because cold and emotionless is just like, we got to warn the others and being like, by the time you get out there, they'll already be back. Like, it, it's too late. It's like, these are the facts. Just like, whatever. Just like a real, he's just like, oh, um, no, 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 don't, you, uh, you don't want to I, but rip, come on. By the time you get out there, on, I mean, rip. they'll already be coming back. It's just going to be, you know, who need, ah, come You've really on. captured Holmes' style, <laughs> like his signature cadences. It's all, yeah, it's really uncanny. Well, I'm classically trained. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Kane discovers a chamber containing hundreds of large egg-like objects. When he touches one, a creature springs out, breaks through his helmet, and attaches itself to his face. This gives him a big old face hug. I would like to read a poem that you said uh, during the watching of this film. Oh, well, this is this is also because uh, well, this the movie opens like mothers awakened them. They don't realize they think they're home, so they just like yeah. are slowly getting woken up. And Kane, John Hurt, is the first one to be. Uh, to to arise uh -huh. so jeff while we were watching it says early to bed early to rise get a face hugger first one who dies yeah, it's just the fact <laughs> it rhymes so it must be true uh dallas and lambert carry the unconscious cane back to the nostromo ripley refuses to let them aboard citing quarantine regulations people He's got an alien on his face. That's not like a, oh, you might have been exposed to something. Yeah. It's like, no, you've got, it's it's on the hood of your shield thing. Whatever you would call that. Space bubble. It's on your space bubble. It's like in the We don't want to burst your space bubble, but you got an alien on your face, you guys. You got an alien. You can't be letting that him in. No. No, 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 no. And I mean, I think we could all take a page from from Ripley today. Uh, you know, you wh don't wh defy wh the core. Wh wear your mask so face hugger can't get in there. <laughs> but Ash overrides her decision and lets them inside. Ash attempts to remove the creature from Kane's face, but stops when he discovers that its blood is an extremely corrosive acid. It later detaches on its own and is found dead. The ship is partly repaired and the crew lifts off. And Kane awakens with some memory loss, but is otherwise completely unharmed. And during a final crew meal before returning to stasis, Kane chokes, convulses, and a small alien creature bursts from his chest, killing him and escapes into the ship. Oh! I love that. I mean, it's such a classic. 
such an iconic scene. I do love when that little alien yeah. pops up because it really, it does like a little, it really does look like it gives a little bow. Like, hello, thank you yes, very much. Thank you, thank you. And it looks, it's, it's like a real conductor. It's just like, yes, yes, yes. And it looks over to you, you know, take, taking you in. And then it just skitters across and like the best, like little, I love that puppetry. It always makes me laugh. It looks like there should be a ride based on it where you're getting on the alien and just going like zipping around the oh, table. Man. Well, so much of the set for this feels like you're waiting in line for, I don't know, Space Mountain or Star oh, Tours. Yeah. Like yeah. all those opening shots where it's just like no one aboard would is looking around. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I feel like I'm having flashbacks to waiting in line for an hour to ride a ride that's going to give me a headache and make me upset. <laughs> And so it used to be like the rumor was that like they didn't know that that chest burster moment was going to happen at all. The other actors, mm. um, but it's really they knew, but they just didn't know the extent. They didn't know how much blood there would be or where the blood yeah. would be sprayed. So Veronica Cartwright as Lambert was not supposed to get a face full of blood, which is why <gasps> they they leave her audio in where she's like, oh, God, as they're on the alien. Because that's that's not her reacting to the alien. It's her reacting to getting a mouthful of fake blood. Yep, yep, that'll do it. <laughs> and also I loved because that's like John Hurt is like under the table and awkwardly pressed up with this whole fake chest situation yeah, sure, sure um so of course it's a long shooting day and he's like i'm stuck in this table Ugh. um so he was uh not pleased so the crew got him his cigarettes and a bottle of his favorite wine so he was like say no more i'll be here all day <laughs> <laughs> hey you know i maybe there is but i would love love if there were pictures like set pictures of him just like in that in the table like with a little cigarette and a, and a little glass of wine with the alien like popping out of his chest amazing with its own little cigarette and well little, it's true if all he has to do is like lay there and and be in agony it's like eh, you can be a little toasty for drunk. that yeah exactly it was the 70s uh, come on <laughs> i mean at best i'm surprised he's not just like oh could you get my cocaine vial it's the 70s it'll That's really how they get me so through movies. this will get me through this uh the crew attempts to locate the alien with tracking devices and capture or kill it with nets, electric prods, and flamethrowers. And this this is where we first get Ash giving unhelpful equipment. And we're just like that little, I love that little tracker, tracking device. Mm-hmm. I could accept. It's like only like not that many feet in front. Where he, well, he said it, the range yeah, like is not feet. very I think big. He says like five feet. And They're like, well, by that time, you're dead. I know. Ripley's like, and how does this work? And he's like, whatever he said like displacements and like the air particles and it's like just sh- it's science it's the science. way that Leave he me alone. looks at her and delivers oh, that line so, just like, so i loathe you stop <laughs> screwing hates, this hates, up for me but i just love because he's so clearly evil it'd be great if it like it's like oh and you're going to want this broken vacuum cleaner this will really just like turn it on they're just like rolling vacuum cleaners mm-hmm. around being like it's like you need something that works just enough that th- that someone like Ripley isn't gonna get suspicious enough to do what they do to him w- when they do it, you right. know. As long as long as the drinky bird is still drinking, you're okay. But if he stops drinking, that means the alien is nearby. So you all take this drinky bird. You don't need anything else. I really, you don't need a flamethrower. If you see it, uh, come calling. I'll come with my little net and I'll go, go bring I'll him go, back and whoop, run the tests. Him. But um, your your drinky bird will be just fine. You are everything. I've got the situation under control. I'm going to murder you all. Uh, uh, Brett follows the crew's cat Jones into a landing leg compartment where the now fully grown alien attacks Brett and disappears with his body. I would like to say two things about this moment. Please. One, how did that thing grow so much so fast? So fast. He like, finds the, like, the needs, little skin, but that skin like is so little. five skin progressions yeah, at the yeah. very least. But, you know, whatever. Suspension of disbelief. The second thing, mm-hmm. one of my favorite line deliveries <laughs> ever is when he's like, kitty, 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 kitty. That's crap. 
Jones. <laughs> yeah. It's just uh, so I mean, beautiful. Harry Stanton, what a treasure of a character mm. actor he was. Uh, so good in his in his you know brief ish uh, screen time as Brett. Um, yeah, it's great. I love mm-hmm. it. I love it. Kitty, kitty, kitty. Jones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, the better twist in the movie: Jones the cat in on it the whole time. This cat's purposefully leading him mm. over to the alien. I don't know. I don't know. But then the cat saves Ripley in a way. Does, does the cat it... existing when saves the Ripley? Cat... I don't know the... because she, she goes doesn't back get down there the soon enough. Yeah, exactly, and so she's not there with Parker and Lambert getting getting things ready when that attack happens. Well, she was getting like the self destruct and all that ready because she was already in the escape pod. She went back for the cat, and then when right. she went to go back to the escape pod, the alien was there. So the cat's like, "Okay, I'll draw her out. You get in place." <laughs> okay, okay. All, all right. right, all right, alien. You like uh, meow? See meow? Uh, you, I'm gonna go, uh, go, go do my meow act, my uh, Jonesy she'll, act. She'll put me in the hypersleep pod. She'll put me in the hypersleep pod. I'll be okay. You and, get and, it? Okay. So now wait until she puts me in the hypersleep pod because I cannot survive in space. You and get then it? as soon as I'm in the pod, then you come out from your secret little crawl space hiding spot from your little cubby hole. You come out from your cubby hole, okay, there, alien? Meow, meow. We savvy. Meow, meow, meow. After a heated discussion, the crew decides the alien must be in the air ducts. Dallas enters the ducts, intending to force the alien into an airlock, but it ambushes and kills him. Um, which, as you said, when they he just turns the light, because Lambert's like, the other way! And it's just like sudden alien, and it just reaches forward with both arms. Oh my gosh. In like full musical theater. It's not just like a reach <laughs> forward, it's like a... It didn't look like a reach, like, oh, I'm coming to grab something. It just like yeah. it threw both his arms out, and I just went, touch me! <laughs> so, like, that's yeah, what full, it It's full of like. Vita. It is... <laughs> No, Elion, it's, it's, the, it's the forward reach, so it's just like, come to me, yeah. you know, and it just made me laugh. It's pretty. So hard. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. Lambert wants to abandon ship and escape in its small shuttle, but Ripley, now in command, explains it will not support four people and says they will continue the plan of flushing out the alien. Now, with access to Mother, Ripley discovers Ash has been secretly ordered by the company to bring the alien back, with the crew deemed expendable. She confronts Ash, who tries to choke her to death, and he starts sweating milk. Um, It's so gross. It's like milky glue. I know. Did she even hit him that first time? Because it's the shot when you first see it dripping, and I'm like, what? Is he just sweating it? Like I don't know. I, I bet don't... if we went back and watched it, we could find out whether there's it's supposed pro- to be. I'm sure there's some like quick cut where it's like, oh, he's supposed to have like bonked his head or something, and now he's. Mm. But uh, yeah, that does seem like no one. People are surprised that Ash isn't is a robot, but they're not surprised at the existence of robots, which makes me think like there are other robots on other ships. So yes. I'm like, why why bury the lead? Why not just be like, oh yeah, this is your robot science officer. Um, mm, because it's a better reveal. It's a, well, sure, of course, real. of course, of course, of course. I do love that clearly ADR line that Parker, the Yafit Koto has as Parker, where he's like, he's, it's like the camera's not on him, and suddenly you hear a very different pitch, like, he's a robot. Ash is a goddamn robot. And then it cuts back to him, like, have, having knocked Ash's head off, just in case, like, the audience is like, what's happening? What? what? I bet they did have some test screenings. It was like, I think we maybe need to explicitly state. Why is this guy full of clam chowder? What's going on? <laughs> clam chowder and marbles. Probably not good to eat that in space. How long Bullet? has that been sitting Oh my there? God. Thank goodness that wasn't Kane's last meal. Just Ew. the alien popping out of his, his tummy with clam soup. Yum. Bleh. Just the seafood platter. Yuck, yuck, yuck. 
Parker intervenes and clubs Ash, knocking his head loose and revealing him to be an android. They learn that Ash was assigned to ensure the alien's survival. He expresses admiration for the creature and taunts them all about their chances. Ripley cuts off his power and Parker incinerates him. And he just goes up like a little toasty marshmallow. Um, Another day where an actor had to clearly be under a fl- under a I table. Or I under love the that floor. shot. I love when they're just like like okay, let's put the hat mm-hmm. head back on, and then like they they prop it back upright. It immediately falls back over. It's just like dang it, and puts it back upright, and it suddenly jump cuts to, and now it's Ian Holm. Yeah, it's kind of like when <laughs> you great. did that zombie film, and you had to be like you were underground, and you're you had like a fake body or something. Oh yes, I was trying to remember. I was like, I had a fake body. I didn't have a fake body. I I did a zombie film, uh, Lost in Buffalo City, streaming on Amazon. Oh, it's Prime. that they were hands. Yeah, underneath. they built. It's really well, such a great like low-fi practical effect. And speaking of this film, so many amazing you know totally. practical effects. I mean, as, you know, before we had CGI, which also why those later Alien sequels are like, well, now we're just watching the CGI. Yeah, monster, who wants to watch that? Yeah. Which isn't you know having this real created thing there is so cool. But yeah, what they did for lost in buffalo city was they built they built like a little platform put a tarp on it and then covered it in like leaves and mud and dirt so you couldn't see the tarp and they had it on top of like four concrete blocks so with the camera on top it looks like i'm just on the ground because you're seeing the ground around it as well and it blends in perfectly and then under they had holes in this uh platform so underneath these actors with zombie hands could pop them up out of the ground and be grabbing onto me it was a really Really impressive. It's very effective. Uh, yeah, it was very cool. If you, hey, it's October. Go check out Lost in Buffalo City, streaming on Amazon Prime, possibly still. <laughs> <laughs> the remaining crew decides to self-destruct the Nostromo and escape in the shuttle. Parker and Lambert are killed by the creature as they gather supplies. Ripley initiates the self-destruct sequence, but finds the alien blocking her path to the shuttle. Meow, see? She, she's fallen for it. She retreats and attempts unsuccessfully to abort the self-destruct. With no further options, she makes her way to the shuttle and barely escapes as the Nostromo explodes. As Ripley prepares for stasis, she discovers that the alien is aboard, having wedged itself into a narrow space. Which, it is like, what was the plan, alien? Why, where, why, you, is it just hi- I think that alien's just hibernating? existing, you know? <laughs> it's just existing. But it specifically is just, it really feels, because it, it's next to stuff that it looks like its head. All the pipes look like yeah. its head, so it blends in perfectly. So it really is just like... This reminded me of playing hide and seek with my nieces and nephews mm-hmm. and being like, oh, perfect. She's not going to find me. Uh, <laughs> she puts on a spacesuit, and as the alien approaches Ripley, she opens an airlock door, almost blowing the creature into space, which it was Sigourney's idea to sing, You Are My Lucky Star. Mm-hmm. So Ripley Scott said, They got a lot of flack from the studio because of how expensive the rights were to it. <laughs> Uh, it was such a great moment. It's yeah. just, I, well, I didn't even realize it was that song. She's just mainly oh, just going like, I lucky, did. lucky, 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 lucky. <laughs> well, yeah, the beginning. But she just repeats that again and again. Um, I mean, maybe she knew that the alien, those, that big hands out moment, alien's a fan of musical You've opened the heaven's portals <laughs> here on earth for this poor mortal. Exactly. Yeah. It, knows that alien can't resist a show tune. Alien cannot tune. resist a show tune, which Mel Brooks knew, which is why he put that whole uh, Michigan J. Frog sequence in Spaceballs with there the alien. There you go. See? Popping out of John Hurt again, which I love that he reprises his role. As I haven't well. seen that probably since like, oh, I don't know, 10th grade. Oh, same. Same, same, same. Uh, the alien manages to hang on by gripping the frame of the door, so Ripley shoots it with a grappling hook, but the gun catches as the airlock door closes. She cannot catch a break. 
uh, tethering the alien to the shuttle. It pulls itself into an engine exhaust, but Ripley fires the engines, blasting the creature away into the depths of space. After recording the final log entry, she places Jones the cat and herself into stasis for the trip home to Earth. The casting directors of Alien were Mary Selway and Mary Goldberg. Ridley Scott employed Selway, who had worked with him on his film The Duelists, to head the casting in the United Kingdom, while Goldberg handled casting in the United States. Selway would go on to cast such films as Raiders of the Lost Ark, Temple of Doom, Gosford Park, and Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Goldberg began her career casting episodes of Phyllis and Rhoda, and would go on to cast such projects as Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Ragtime, Amadeus, and the TV shows of Fame and My So-Called Life. Jeez. Yeah. When the script was originally optioned, Robert Altman was the first choice to direct. Fascinating. Ridley Scott was fifth choice, which is wow. bananas to me. Sometimes it just takes a moment for the right person to get the job. I guess so. Which I get with Robert Altman because of like where they apparently like the original script, the dialogue was a lot more flowery and they like mm. jettisoned most of that because they wanted like a real they like shot that off into trucker. space. They shot that into space. Pew pew. There goes your script, Dan O'Bannon. Yeah, they, it has a real like. Well, as I said, truckers in space vibe, which yeah, I yeah, think is, yeah. is so good. It's just like, yeah, you got this ensemble cast. Like you want working that, like, a commercial vehicle. Yeah, you want that kind of like realis realism talking over one another that Robert Altman can't do that he yeah. did in like, you know, Nashville and uh, mash and I'm just thinking of like the films that he'd done at this point of like mm. but of like just imagining you're like oh the guy that did Nashville perfect for this monster movie in space uh, <laughs> is kind of funny to me opposed to someone like Roger Corman like someone that's like oh yeah you do like monster movies I which I made they just clearly just had like no this is a prestige monster it's a prestige movie prestige monster film and we need a prestige director yeah uh, some potential directors who were either considered by the studio or wanted to direct included of course writer Dan O'Bannon uh, producer Walter Hill Peter Yates who directed Bullet Jack Clayton who did the 70s Great Gatsby movie and Robert Aldrich of Whatever Happened to Baby Jane and the Dirty Dozen. Aldrich, in particular, came very close to being hired, but the producers ultimately decided against it after they met him in person, and it quickly became apparent that he had no real enthusiasm for the project beyond mm. the money he would have received. Mm. Um, they said the moment that he talked himself out of the job came when they asked him what kind of a design he had in mind for the face hugger, and he shrugged and said, eh, we'll put some entrails on the guy's face. Not as if anyone's going to remember that critter once they've left the theater. Oh. It literally has, like, a name that is not given to it in the film, you know? Yeah. Like, which is an indication of its memorable quality. I know. Well, now. I don't know. I mean, because there's so much that came, like, after the in fact. subsequent, yeah. Right. Well, because there's, like, deleted. Because they say, like, with Dallas that, like, his body was gone. They only found, like, the flamethrower, not him. Because mm -hmm. a deleted scene of where Ripley, in that last, like, ten minutes of um, the alarms going off, right. that she was supposed to find him and Brett with Dallas at least still alive, cocoon to the wall where she's got to flamethrow them. Because then in the future movies, like Newt, in, the little girl in Aliens, gets mm -hmm. like taken by the aliens, but then it's kept alive because the whole point is like, well, you're, we're going, the queen is, we're going to mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. put more aliens inside you. Oh, it's just so horrific. Um, but God, this, they were God. like, let's cut that. We don't need that. But they kept it for the future like mythos of mm, the film. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so I don't know in terms of the script if it called it a face hugger or if it was just like, a small spidery looking creature is but regardless it's like a small pile of entrails sits on the guy's face <laughs> it's like design is clear I know, enough I know. and its function seems pretty evident yeah but at least pretend you know just pretend the enthusiasm guy just ah who cares just put 
slap I'm an some, old pro. We'll I know. Make it work. Just slap some hot dogs on his face and call it a day. Hot dogs. There's a pile of hot dogs. Just glue, just glue some hot dogs Can together. Imagine. Glue six hot dogs together. It'll look fine. Or eight if you want it to look more like a spider and just rest it on the guy's head. It'll hey, John Hurt, don't be nibbling those hot dogs. I know you're hungry, but we gave you the wine. Now you're drunk. Now you're just hungry and want a little little snack. So in the original script by Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Shusett, the names of the characters were standard. Roby, Broussard, Melconis, Hunter, and Faust. And there was Faust. no Faust. There was no Ash character. That was He was added uh, in subsequent rewrites. And the script had a clause indicating that all the characters could be cast with men or women, um, which was is great. But it was also yeah. like from them, they were like, because they didn't care. They're like, I don't, they, they wrote it like the alien first. And they were like, oh, the yeah. characters don't matter. So that could be whatever. And that gave Ridley Scott uh, a lot of freedom uh, sure. to, to really specify them and to kind of get just a group of actors that he really wanted to work with, which I think works great. I love this cast. I think they all are it's a lovely so, so fun together. Uh, so let's move on to some of the actors who were almost cast. Some of these people may have auditioned. Some may have just been discussed by casting. This is all a little subjective. And as always, I have looked up all the actors in advance. And Amy Joe is hearing it along with you, listener, for the very first time. Ooh. So let's kick things off with Kane. Because... We're going to go in the order that these characters died. So, oh, Amy Jo, choices. your thoughts on John Hurt and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? I think he's good. Um, I think he looks in his spacesuit a little like Ian McKellen. <laughs> he, um, he does. When you're seeing his, like, his, little, his face lit up behind yeah, the screen. And yeah, and I was like, oh, well, Ian McKellen could have been in this movie. He was making movies at the time. Sure. Um, the other person who's kind of a content... I had trouble thinking of people who weren't. British for this, um, sure. just because I just did. Yeah. So uh, my first choice for someone who was a contemporary mm-hmm. of, of uh, John Hurt was Jeremy Brett, who is best known for playing Sherlock Holmes in uh, a TV series of him and also for playing oh. Freddie Einsford Hill in the My Fair Lady movie. Oh. He's great. He has this kind of like snide quality to him mm. um, that... He's also someone, I think with a role like this, you need someone who is very expressive without (laughs) saying a lot, you know? This is true. I think he does great with all of the, like, the external stuff of having an alien. All that whole, I mean, he he really sells the the hell out of that scene on the table. In terms of his characterization, I I find him him kind of forgettable. I love John Hurt. John Hurt, which I, I mistakenly said in, I think, the Silence of the Lambs episode that he won the oscar for uh elephant man he was nominated for the oscar for elephant man well we can all be lucky enough to be (laughs) nominated for an oscar um yeah i mean but like even like you're acting through a spacesuit at some like weird prop you know and you're like what's that you know like i think he does a really nice job of that i think that jeremy brett would do a good job with that a contemporary person i don't know why Mm -hmm. this person sprang to mind but i was like oh someone who's a little weird and expressive paul dano Sure. I think yes. actually he'd be because also when you get someone who's a little weirder, I love that. they're automatically going to bring a slightly weirder quality to it that's going to make the guy yeah. a little more memorable. I think that's great casting. I could so Thank see you, that. Jeff. But he's also someone you want someone that's like big enough that it's shocking to kill yeah, them. That's off a good point. Yeah. First, um, which I mean, John Hurt at this time, da, 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 I think John Hurt had just gotten an Oscar nomination like the year before. So he's definitely someone that you're like, oh, yeah. he is like known enough. It's not like a, you know, 
because it's also hard sometimes when you're like, oh yeah, Sigourney was like, this is like her first movie. Like yeah. the people that were unknowns at this moment and the people that were like, people had seen, been seeing in movies of like who, I don't know if it was as much then uh, in terms of what we bring, like the baggage of stardom of to be like, okay, well, this person's a star. So we expect them to wind up, be here for a while I... and killing them off is shocking. Or if it was more just from a narrative standpoint to be like, okay, well, that's the captain. So you don't kill off the captain. So he's going to be fine. Or if, well, but look at psycho. Like, of course, that's... but I don't know. That's that. I mean, that's both clearly. Totally. Um, but it's also because she was the star and marketed as such. Of course. But this I, is a I weird didn't know period if past in between, that, you know, of when that was really, there's the old Hollywood where you mm-hmm. have the studio system and there's right. like so much, like there's all those Hollywood magazines. There's all of that. But this is bef- after studio system before, for like 90s superstardom or like yeah. 80s and 90s i guess it's like close to the 80s but like when you have all the tabloids and you have you know the paparazzi yeah. start becoming a bigger presence like i it is kind of an interesting period that i don't know that much about but i imagine yeah it's it's both but it's smart to cast someone who's like someone that people are familiar with because yeah. then yeah they are just going to bring more to it definitely yeah i mean he had his, his whole character just feels like he's just tired the entire film. Yes. Um, so that's why I was just like, I was like, okay, who are tired looking act- actors that are just have like tired looking faces? This is like a Ben Mendelsohn or like a Scoot McNary or just some like squirrely, interesting mm. character actors. Uh, yeah, I didn't really have like huge thoughts because I mean, he kind of exists to die. Right. Um, oh, so you, so you know what? Uh, you don't give me Benicio del Toro for like a more modern because yeah. I just remember like usual suspects, his choice to. <laughs> make all of his lines indecipherable was because spoilers for like a 25 year old movie that he is like well i'm the first one to die so that's that's my character only exists to die so it doesn't matter what i say so he was just like i don't know how i was selling all of this and it's just like what it's so uh, funny because that's like the only thing i'd seen him in for many years so i just yeah. thought like that he had a pronounced accent and it's like <laughs> no he just made a bold made choice a real strong choice but you remember you it. sure do uh so uh, the other actors considered for Kane was Brad Davis of Midnight Express, uh, which was the year before the Oliver Stone written movie, uh, which had co-starred, which I thought was crazy. This was that was 78. And it co-starred John Hurt because that's where he got his Oscar nomination hmm. for Best Supporting Actor. And Brad Davis, I was like, what else has Brad Davis been in? Because he passed away at like 41, passed away very young, Ooh. which is why it's like, oh, this is why I've not really mm-hmm. heard of this actor too much. Um, but Chariots of Fire was the other big thing that he did oh. in 81, where Ian Holm got his Oscar nomination for supporting actor, which I thought was hilarious to me. Of Like what, that, like per, almost perfectly sandwiched in between this it's movie, Alien. Very small world. Right. Yeah. But that would have definitely been like this guy that had just come off like a kind of splashy lead role that was up for like a ton of Oscars the year before. It's like, he's the one that you kill off mm-hmm. first. And he's like a young, he was younger, Brad Davis, because John Hurt is still like in his mid 40s or whatever when he right. did this movie he was one of the the oldest i think he might have been he um let me see oh no he was he was one of the younger ones i'm so sorry oh, he just he just looked like one he of the looks oldest like one he of the oldest. is living that the hard life by far is harry dean stanton right i mean um, john hurt you know he's got his pack of cigarettes and his favorite bottle of wine during the day as like yeah he was like right in the middle because he was born in 1940. Oh, okay. And uh, and like, oh, wow. so he like 38 when he filmed this. Sigourney That's right. That's right. and uh, Veronica, Veronica Cartwright were both. Born oh, Cartwright. Yes, yeah, we're both born in 49. I think I called her Veronica Lambert before Veronica Cartwright. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, but then you have like uh, <laughs> his 
name is Harry Dean Stanton, but I have written Rip Van Winkle because that's how I know him from, from fairy, tale fairy Tale Theater. theater. So of I'm course, like, Rip Van Winkle's not the man's actual name. Just well, how... of course he's the oldest of them. He's been asleep for decades, for centuries. <laughs> <laughs> he was born in 1926, and then the others were all born in the 30s. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, and according to John Hurt in the DVD documentary for Alien, he was considered at the beginning of casting to play Kane, but had already committed to another movie that was set to take place in South Africa, so John Finch got the role of Kane instead. Hmm. Some people might know John Finch as the lead of the Hitchcock movie Frenzy, and as Mr. Ferguson in the Peter Ustinov uh, Death on the Nile yeah, Poirot remake, I was just which you thinking, were watching yesterday. No, no, no. I was watching the um, David Suchet oh. Poirot of, oh, uh, of Death on the Nile. But oh, right, right, right. When, you said, when you said him, I was like, oh, yeah, that's funny because I was just watching the other Death on the Nile. <laughs> because, yes, that's right, that's right. he plays like a young rich person masquerading as a communist you know oh yeah which i really only have seen him in frenzy which he's i think he's fine in. he's yeah. fine in frenzy and that's some i was like oh yeah he's also i mean because he's the lead in that and john hurt was like rarely wasn't usually from what i saw of him the lead in things yeah. opposed to having someone where you're like you expect a leading a guy yeah. that's leading leading in films to be around longer he you know? looks so much like what's his face who plays dallas though oh tom scarrett yeah they have oh. a similar kind of like darker hair but mm. i mean obviously you can shave and that would make yeah, a difference get, but he has just give him a big handlebar mustache <laughs> and a bald head <laughs> to and... me they look very similar <laughs> in their oh, presentation sure. sure um but however two separate incidents occurred which got hurt the role first was the fact that he was banned from south africa because the country mistook him for john hurd who strongly opposed apartheid uh which hurt was opposed to it too but was lucky enough to not get blacklisted mm -hmm. so he was unable to do the other movie and second, Finch became seriously ill from diabetes on his first day of shooting and oh, had no. to pull out. Yeah. In a desperate attempt to prevent further delays to filming, Ridley Scott drove over to Hurt's house in England and to get him on board. And he pitched him the script over a weekend and Hurt arrived on the set on Monday morning with little to no sleep to begin filming. So oh! it's part of that is why he's always tired in this film. That's great. <laughs> it's like he's just been asleep for months. Like, why are you tired I'm still, not... buddy? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, and Finch reportedly filmed his initial scenes. But according to Tom Skerritt, Finch's work on the movie was so brief that he doesn't remember meeting him. <gasps> well. Wow. But let's move on to Brett. Hey, Amy, Joe, your thoughts on Harry Dean Stanton and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? He's so great in this. Uh, the note that I have written is like he conveys so much in a scene where his only dialogue is calling a cat. <sighs> like he doesn't have any lines except to say like, here, kitty, kitty or yeah. Jones. Like and and yet it's this whole scene of like you get so much information. You see him processing it. You see like the creeping. Dread. I think he does this wonderfully he's get he's washing his face off with this water mysteriously raining from what? this spaceship oh, that feels good oh that's good Wait i'm not gonna bother what all this cooling yeah. runoff or whatever that is so he is uh, i think fantastic and oh, yeah. I, I don't have a lot of other thoughts but i was like oh someone else who would be fun it'd be it'd be a different take but but i think would still be uh delightful as dan hedaya Sure. Who is actually in Alien Resurrection? Oh, <laughs> for like five seconds, and then he gets well, murdered go. by an alien. He's like, I missed it the first time, but I really got <laughs> not it never again. And then Chef. this would also be very different. But I, I mean, mainly like you want someone who is like a comedic character actor to carry this across. Exactly. So this is someone who I don't know how well they would actually execute it, but I could see them being up for it a mm -hmm. little bit later. And that is, I have to look at his name, Michael Richards, who I only know as Kramer. Oh dear. Well, yeah, who I wouldn't recommend. I'm just... So a similar look in terms of that, like, 
Well, you just, just from a facial structure well, standpoint, also, like he and Parker have the kind of like dopey buddy yeah, thing going on. So I hear you, that. it's not necessarily like a comedic role, but it passes right. for comedy in this film, you know, or it's it passes for the kind of like sidekick relief kind of stuff. Sure. Um, so you don't need someone who's in there like you don't want like a Jason Manzoukas who's going to well, be no. like improvising. So you don't need that, but right. you do need someone with a lighter energy. Yeah, I think they actually did. I, I wasn't crazy about the most recent Ridley Scott alien movie, Alien Covenant. Um, but it is because you've got like people, you've got Billy Crudup and you've got like interesting actors in there, but mm-hmm. they actually make, uh, Danny McBride is like, sticks it out to the end in terms of like, who's, I've only seen him in comedic, very broad Apatow. I don't and, like, even comedic... know who that is. Oh, I mean, he's like, well, you, you haven't seen him in the scenes from Righteous Gemstones, but he was in like Pineapple Express and he's mm. in... He's a big comedy actor of stuff like East Bound and Down, missed. and you just you oh oh there, we, there you went you just you just missed, missed him daddy daddy ah oh, you, uh, you just missed well, him well I'll Angel, have to I look swear. him up on the internet I swear he's he's here somewhere um but yeah he's a very comedic actor but they use that well they just have him like a like a mm-hmm. like a good old boy type who um sticks it out to the end uh but someone like that where it's like oh yeah the guy that you just buy as blue collar totally. worker yeah. um yeah i totally see that i was thinking of people like clifton collins jr who i love sung kang ho aka the dad from parasite who people have also oh. seen in snowpiercer uh he's yes. great i could i oh, is was he? thinking of him for he's some in reason snowpiercer yeah he's the there's like the dad and daughter that yes like, yeah yeah because i mean he's like bong joon ho like oh yeah loves, loves well, casting him he's also the you... host i mean come on he's incredible yeah, he's so good. um that's great that yeah. would be delightful uh or because as they said all the roles were written the two that it could be played by men or women so i was like for some i don't know why i don't know i've not thought about the show since it went off the air but i was like constance shulman AKA Yoga Jones from Orange is the New Black. Oh. I just think would be very entertaining in this role. Oh, she's just like, hey, great. hey Jones. Just. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, we, I, my, my fellow millennials will also know her as the voice of Patty Mayonnaise from Doug. Mm-hmm. Un, uh, unforgettable. Unforgettable. I you saw her on Doug. Broadway in the Rose Tattoo. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Uh, so, Herodine Stanton's first words to Ridley Scott during his audition were, I don't like science fiction or monster movies. <laughs> Scott, Scott was amused and convinced Dan to take the role after reassuring him that the movie would actually be a th- more of a thriller akin to 10 Little Indians. Mm-hmm. Which is like... It like, totally is. Yeah, it's like picking them is, off one by one. Yeah. That really is more of like... You know, in terms of thinking of the shooting, like you really are barely around in terms of what make... You know, yeah. as we said, like truckers in space. So it's already not like, whatever, beam me up, captain. It's... yeah. Very boots on the ground. You're it just happens to be a space station. wearing a jumpsuit that you would maybe wear if you're doing, like, a, a movie where you're an auto mechanic. Totally. Not wearing, uh, you're not Captain Kirk, you exactly. know? Exactly. Exactly. And Harry Dean Stan as Captain Kirk. I mean. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, William Shatner as King just to get him murdered by an alien immediately? No. No. Nah. I'm only doing it if I make it to the end. If I can punch out that xenomorph, <laughs> I'll have a nice slow grapple with him as long as I can get my shirt off. Uh, and the only person that I saw that was up for Brett is English comedic actor David Jason. But he had to turn it down as he was shooting the first season of Only Fools and Horses. Oh, yeah. That was a that's one that I don't think crossed over much, but it was a pretty big hit in the UK. Is my feeling that you would know yeah. what that was. I was like, I've never. I, I know all sorts of obscure, stuff, obscure <laughs> British stuff because I either grew up watching it. Uh-huh. 
or I found it for dialect resources. Oh, so that okay. was one of the ones that the company of Matilda built some of the accents on for the dad oh, for the wow. Broadway show. For Only Fools and Horses? Uh-huh. Wow. I had no they idea. Used, they used That's that amazing. as a they used yeah. Only Fools and Horses as the resource to build like the the Wormwoods dialect. Yeah. You know, because you're you're working with a lot of different dialects in that company and so you want to give actors something to like root into. So sure. speaking of Matilda, as either Parker or Brett, uh what's her face? Pam Ferris. Oh, I love Pam Ferris. But as Trunchbull, just have her just be like <laughs> swinging that xenomorph around, <laughs> not throwing them out into a field. <laughs> God, she's great. Or, I mean, yeah, actually, speaking of Matilda, I mean, also be a good Brett. This is just a few years after Cuckoo's Nest. A little Danny get DeVito. DeVitz. Get the DeVitz. I support it. I mean, get Christopher Lloyd in there to get killed first. Christopher actually, Lloyd. Actually, he'd be great in either of those parts. Yeah, Christopher Lloyd as Kane or as Brett. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be yeah. great. That would be great. Now we're getting the ideas we're getting going. It. We're getting it. Uh, but, and let's keep on getting it as we move on to Captain Dallas. Amy, Joe, your thoughts on Tom Skerritt? And who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? I think he's he's good, you know? Like, all of these people, they really are, like, doing a good job of, yeah. like, not overstepping their role in the ensemble until it's like their moment to shine. You know what I mean? I think that's one of the reasons it's very successful is everyone feels distinct, even if they don't have like a tremendously strong, like that's the guy who's like, it's not like Bill Paxton and aliens where you're like, wow, that guy, you know, yeah. Isn't that Bill? Yeah, Bill, yeah, Pax- Bill yeah. Paxton. Game over, man. Exactly. Where you're Game like, that over. is a strong character. But I, that works yeah. great for that character. Um, oh, yeah. But I think Tom Skerritt does a lovely job. I'm not like, oh, my God, no one but, you know. But right, I think right. he does a, a good job. I then tried to pick people that I thought kind of had, like, strong captain energy. You right. know what I mean? Um, my... The first person I put down, this is the first person I wrote down for any role while we're watching it. And this is definitely for the comedy version. Great. It's Paul Rudd, <laughs> who I'm going to just have to cast in something every time. Uh, uh-huh. um, sure, sure, sure. But then uh, more seriously, I thought um, this is maybe a bit of a wild choice, but I am into it. Elizabeth Ashley, who is a theater uh-huh. actress primarily, but it's done like a lot of TV and and any of our uh, listeners who are bad movie aficionados might know her as the therapist from Vampire's Kiss oh, in so those good. bananas so scenes. Um, but she has like a str- she's just like a, a yeah. broad, you know, yeah, and it's kind of like yeah. I, I buy that. Um, I, I thought maybe Raul Julia, you know, it's kind of like oh, he, sure. it's, it's right yeah. before Spider-Woman, you know, so he's like quite young. Yeah. But like. He, I think that's great. You want someone with a certain amount of swagger who also knows how to play in an ensemble. And totally. I, I'm like, I don't think any of these roles are quite good enough for Raul Julia, but I would still be like, he would add a lot, I feel. Absolutely. I think he'd be great. I think I would much prefer him. I think Tom Skerritt is fine. I think to me, he's actually the weak link of the cast. I just don't care about him. And I don't yeah. think he's really bringing his whole, unless the characterization is supposed to just be that he's the worst captain because he just doesn't seem to care. He's just like, oh, it's the science officer's job. I'm, which in the comedy version, Paul Rudd is being like, oh, it's, it's not perfect. My, Maybe that's why Paul I Rudd has in Wet that. Hot American Summer is being like, it's not, it's not my job. Do I don't me, care. I don't know, though. I feel like so often in jobs, your boss is the one who cares the least. I've worked so many jobs where I wanted to punch the manager in the <sighs> face because they were either like negligent or it was like, you just don't want to, you don't want to work a tiny bit, an iota harder. <laughs> To make this day go a lot better for everybody. Well, then I wanted to be that much more blatant, being like, oh, 
The alien's so again, bigger. Paul Rudd. Even <laughs> it uh, killed another guy. Ah, uh, we still don't have the cat. Uh. <laughs> um, my thoughts. Yeah, I just wanted someone like a little, a little more dynamic. A little more dynamic. And he's. I was like, ooh, he's young. He'd be in his late twenties here, but both Escape from New York and The Thing are the early eighties. So if you once you. Let him have his beard and his long hair. Get me Kurt Russell. Mm. Have Kurt Russell running the ship. Because you also kind of, you know, of course, in 1979, Kurt Russell wasn't a movie star. He was still mainly known for Disney mm-hmm. films, which is why the Escape from New York kind of, like, helped break that mold. To be like, oh, no, you're an action star now. Yeah. You've got, like, giant biceps and are, like, a super cool dude with long, gorgeous hair and a beard. Um, but, like, you kind of want, like, your mo- that's your movie star role. Because that's the one that gets, yeah. oh, Kane. Oh, we didn't think he'd get killed. But, like, Dallas is, like, you really don't. His name is Captain Dallas. But you also don't expect him to die at that point. I mean, you do. But you're also, like, oh, you you assume you're, like, oh, he's got to be, like, the second to last to die. Like, he dies helping Ripley get on the ship, yeah. you know? And, and yeah. today is how we typically As opposed to, I think it's really well written that she then has to take over. Absolutely. You know, which is how we get certain things revealed. Also, she yeah. cares more. Of course. Well, duh. So it's. So that's how we get. I think if he was still in charge, Ash doesn't get revealed till later. Like, I think I it was really smart screenwriting. Yeah, I agree. But I just like in like the scene, it's also because Sigourney is like such a dynamic oh, actor so and is great. so like hungry for it at this point, especially yeah. that she's just like, oh, I am. This is my moment. I am here. I am here. And I am here for it. Uh, but like that scene between the two of them when she just like hits the door so it shuts and just like arguing about like, you know, you're just passing the buck to everyone. And he's just like, look, you're listen, Ripley. Uh, I just want, I want someone that can really push back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And even if someone that's pushing back because they're like, I don't want to do this work. I want someone that could just be like, you are not in command. I am in command. Like, mm-hmm. I want someone to then be have a little more of that, like, you know. It's more the Sigourney Tim Allen dynamic in Galaxy Quest. Yeah. Yeah. You're not, or, you know, get get her uh, co-star Alan Rickman. He's still very young at this point, but he's like, he was early 40s during Die Hard. So he would be, I mean, he's in his early 30s here. So it's still young, as is because she was born the same year as Sigourney. But, and I'll, I'll say already that I was like also considered her for Ripley, but Pam Greer. Pam Greer mm. as Captain Dallas. She yeah. plays a somewhat similar role in the awful movie that I saw in theaters, Ghosts of Mars. Uh, My eyebrows just I shot know. up, which is not great for podcasting. It's a John Carpenter movie that co-starred like Ice Cube and Jason Statham, where she was like the captain, or like the, maybe maybe they were, she wasn't the captain of the ship, but she was like the head of this like mm. military unit or something. But Pam Greer, yeah. I've just been having a hankering to rewatch Jackie Brown. I keep getting on to you about it, Amy Joe listener. I'm I'm really excited to rewatch it because she's so so good in it. I'm just really bad at watching movies. Well, that's okay. Um, so we'll get to it. Of course, we will get to it. Um, but I was thinking, I had Funny her on the brain, which is why I was like, podcast, ooh, but... Pam Greer, just like bossing these people around. Oh, totally. Um, just gives me a more interesting dynamic. And if it was made today, I was like, because you want the someone that like, yeah, this is the de facto leader. And it's shocking for them to get killed mm-hmm. off, but not so shocking that you're like, but Now the movie how? doesn't work. Totally. So I was like, to made today, give me Timothy Oliphant. Or Mahershala Ali, someone mm-hmm. that can just yeah, give me like a real cap that captain energy. Yep. Yeah. So when Tom Skerritt first read the screenplay, he declined as he was unimpressed with the writing quality and the low budget. But after the screenplay was edited and the budget enhanced, Skerritt was approached again, which prompted him to sign on. 
halfway through production, he approached writer and executive producer Ronald Schuster asking if he could trade his salary for half a percentage point of royalties. Ooh, so good on you, Scarrett. Like, you smart. knew what was up. You're like, like you know oh, wait, what? this is going to be good movie. This is going to kill. This movie's going to make some money. So After I'll it kills me, it's going to kill that box office. Um, yes. And so, actors that were up for death. Oh. <gasps> I already <laughs> forgot. Look, we've relocated. My brain's in a tizzy. That sound, of course, means it is time to play a quick round of Two Truths and Some Guy. The way it works, two of the following actors were up for the role of Dallas and one was not. Enemy chose to guess which is which. Your options are... Yes. Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford. Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. And Tommy Lee Jones. I don't know when Tommy Lee Jones joined us, but I'm going to say Some Guy is Harrison Ford. That is incorrect. Funny, I thought Star Wars was his first big thing, but you know what? The late 70s Star is Star Wars no. also before this. Oh. Because this is 1979. You know. Star Wars is 76, I believe. What I have more in my brain are films from the 30s and 40s. Sure, sure. I forgot. Okay, that makes more sense. All right, And Tommy Charlie Jones. Chaplin as Captain Dallas. Charlie Lee Jones. <laughs> I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Oh, wow. Clint Eastwood, as far as I could tell, was not considered well, for he, this Well, I think movie. he is the least good choice of those three for this <laughs> role. I was just trying to think, and I got my chronology. Well, oh, that's okay. Yeah, Star Wars. I just remember my yeah. mom, like seeing one of the Star Wars movies when she was pregnant with me. And of course, I f was forget. I think I was conflating because I was born mm -hmm. after mm -hmm. this film. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But no, but it was Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones were both up for Dallas. I kind of like both those choices more than Scarrett. Harrison Ford turned it down. He just was mm -hmm. not, no, like, no. But he'd be very charming. Yeah. And I, I think that like, him and Sigourney, like, that. that's like you got two. Because even, like, before a movie star becomes a movie star. It's like you're seeing that you they see have what makes that them a movie star. je ne sais quoi. Exactly. Then, you know, we saw how it worked in Working Girl. They're delightful together. Exactly. And then exactly. I I've think... already forgotten. I was like, they'd be good together. I was like, all right, duh. They, they, were in a, they were in a movie together that we did on this podcast a few weeks ago. Time. Time. Um, and then Tommy Lee Jones, I could see being that kind of like, the kind of boss that would irritate me not necessarily because he doesn't care so much but like he energetically like still kind of like swinging his weight around a bit oh yeah and being like okay absolutely just a real life well him and him and harrison ford in the fugitive of harrison ford being like i didn't kill my wife i'm like i don't care just being like it's a real javert jean valjean it really retelling. is tommy lee jones like stop letting this robot murder us all i don't care <laughs> Um, but Tommy Lee Jones was met by Walter Hill. And he's Texan. And so he's Dallas, Dallas, that could even be a nickname. On. You'd never know. Exactly. Uh, so Tommy Lee Jones read the script twice and exclaimed he wanted to play the monsters. It was the only part that grabbed him. <laughs> They're like, uh, no. But we'll be great. Uh, and yeah I, yeah, I think either of them would be good. I kind of like Harrison Ford more, especially it's like that much more shocking because it's like Han Solo to yeah. kill off Han Solo three quarters of the way through the movie. I think would be a real fun mm -hmm. bo little boost. And let's keep it going with Lambert. Amy Joe, your thoughts on Veronica Cartwright and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? I think she does a lovely job. She very convincingly has to live in this like 
super anxious emotional because everyone kind of deals yeah. with the threat differently but she immediately goes to probably where i would but just like yeah Let's stop <laughs> this from happening i want to go away yeah well that, um, that is i will say real quick she disliked the character's emotional weakness so didn't really want to take it but mm-hmm. she accepted the role she said they convinced me that i was the audience's fears i was a reflection totally. of what the audience is feeling and it is i mean so many of these movies you've got the one person that's freaking out the one that person is what... who seems to understand the reality of the threat <laughs> but really 90 percent of people in this situation would be freaking out yes yes <laughs> certainly you and me <laughs> certainly i was not built to fight aliens in spice <laughs> i was not built to go to spice um <laughs> So I think that she does a, a wonderful job because as someone who has sometimes played someone in a theatrical situation who is like in a state of anxiety for a couple of hours, like yeah. doing that night after night, Ooh. like you're convincing your body that you're in a state of anxiety. When Let's be real. You're a human. You're always in a state of anxiety. But to like live in that heightened place the few for times an entire shoot. Oh, the oh. few times I've had to do that in film or even just like, oh, this day or two on set, I've got to be like super whatever is yeah. emotionally an emotional fraught is just like a night is the worst yeah. is the worst it's terrible so wreck, i really have the body. sympathy for her um my my first thought of someone else would be shelly duvall oh we know she freaks out like nobody's business sure. and i totally also buy her weirdly on a spacecraft like yeah, I'm like, yeah i can uh, see it 100 percent. i can totally see it um yeah just all i scatman crothers as brett jack nicholson as dallas any of the shining actors oh could God. so so easily yes, see yes and then and then a uh, little danny as the jones the cat <laughs> just just him in a little cat costume <laughs> him in his little cat costume still riding the little bicycle around the spaceship <laughs> i also have here sam rockwell as guy in galaxy quest i also have sam rockwell <laughs> as guy in galaxy quest for this role who again is the only one that's like did any of you yes, actually watch yeah. this show <laughs> um and then i have like a slightly m- more off-center choice which is austin pendleton um who would oh, definitely yeah. convey that same emotion but very differently well yes um yes, and yes. we love the austin pendleton and then a more contemporary choice i've just written here natalie portman slash great weeper oh uh, yeah yeah, I was thinking of like the great weepers today. I, Rose Byrne was like my modern oh, day of sure. someone. Because also of, of thinking of movies I want to be rewatching is that Danny Boyle Sunshine is another great uh, multi. I mean, they do a great job of having like a more uh, international cast. Mm-hmm. Um, Michelle Yeoh and uh, Benedict Wong and Killian Murphy and Chris Evans. It's such a and Cliff Curtis. It's such such Ooh, a good cast. Such Killian good cast. Murphy is Kane. Yeah. Oh modern day i mean those huge eyes day, those casting. cheekbones perfect you're casting. not you can't even hide those behind an astronaut suit <laughs> those are gonna come through exactly uh but rose Byrne is in that as well and she's kind of she's not the, like freaking out but she is just like kind of the emotional center of the mm-hmm. film and i was like yeah I, I could see that or of course because we already said aliens it's like bill paxton have bill paxton as the one just freaking out yes having i'm freaking into out. it that's why it's so memorable and so great in aliens because it is a reversal and having this guy be the one that's like we're gonna die man it's game over mm-hmm. is really like opposed to having it be the woman is freaking out when you are you went out of your way to have you know, and anyone in the cast could be played by a man or woman. And you're too, it, it's so funny, but they had so from the beginning, they're like, anyone could be played by a man or woman, but they did not want Ripley to be played by a woman sure. because that, had, well, just because that had become popular recently, the whole, like the final girl sure. um, idea of like, and everyone dies. And now it's just one la- young woman that's left behind. They wanted to purposefully 
uh, upend that. But of course we want it to be Ripley and we want it to work out the way it does. I also think by making her captain like for that last half hour or something like that you, it's yeah. not quite final girl energy absolutely not well, well, also well, they, Sigourney they, is not final girl of energy. course and they they've admitted that after and other and other people are like it's very this is still very different from that like oh she's the only one left and now this she's got to find the strength it's like no she's always been a very strong character and one yeah. that's been very in control and very like rule oriented and that's what keeps her alive dum-dums yeah. wear a mask stay six feet away from people <laughs> <laughs> or I was also thinking, May today, Adam Scott. Oh, yeah. It's kind of hard not to just have him be as Ben Wyatt from Parks and Rec to just, just be. Yeah, because he also, he has those two sides of the coin where he's like, now I'm a very serious, unpleasant person. Right. Or I'm so affable, you almost can't stand it. Yeah, if he wasn't so well known for comedy, it's like he could almost be an Ash. Oh, yes. Because actually, when he is playing that other side of the coin, it is yeah. very, like, cold and emotionless. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I was like, oh, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. Up in that. Mm -hmm. uh, so well, now I'm thinking of the entire cast of Party Down on a spaceship. And I'm like, Ryan Hansen in space. Oh, <laughs> Let's see God. that hot nonsense. Oh, man. Ken, I mean, Ken Marino as Captain Dallas. <laughs> just so and then, unqualified. Jane Lynch as, uh, I don't know. As, I know you have Jane Lynch Brad and Ryan Hansen as like Brett and Parker. Oh, love it. Yeah, love yeah, it. Yeah. Sure, sure. So stupid. <laughs> Martin Starr as Ash, probably. Mm -hmm. um, so the one other actor that was considered for Lambert was Sigourney Weaver who was initially more interested in playing Lambert because in the early screenplay, Lambert was written as a wise-cracking character. After several rewrites, the role of Lambert became much more subdued and serious and was given to Cartwright. And, and Sigourney was like, I don't want right. this if I don't get I know. my cracks. But you're also like, is this movie, is it going to be good? Like, once you see the designs, I'm, sh I'm yeah. sure that helps be like, oh, this is going to be cool. But if you're like, if the script just says a pile of hot dogs on top of Kane's face. <laughs> entrails. Entrails. <laughs> entrails. Well, is, are, are hot dogs, are they not entrails? Yes, but they are then synthesized and made into something new. Okay, so, so pre-hot pre dog. Pre-hot dog. Pre-hot dogs. <laughs> so if a script says pre-hot dogs, I'm slapping it on my face. Um, You know, it could be, oh, then this oh, pre-hot dogs fall on my shoulder. I'm like, ah. Wait, what's the fancy? Awful. Uh, The fancy word for it, O-F-F-A-L, is like the parts of an animal that are like oh. the liver and oh, the, you, you yeah. know, the this. Sure. Like, but that stuff can be awful, delicious. Awful. Yeah. Um, sure. But yes, awful sure. on the face. Awful on the face, I would imagine. Uh, yeah, and I, of course, I, I could see that to be like, oh, no, I want, this is like the memorable supporting character, and they cl clearly yeah. changed a lot Again, from... Sam Rockwell in Galaxy Quest. Yeah. <laughs> really toggles that line. Uh, exactly, exactly. Tony Shalhoub is Ash. You could do a whole Galaxy oh, yeah. Quest. Well, uh... I have thought about it, yes, of course. Sure. Yeah. Or, I mean, of course... Alan Rickman is Ash. The, he's but, legit I mean, on my yeah, list. Well, yeah, so, we'll, yeah, we'll talk about we'll talk about him at the end. Uh, so let's move on to because we we're going in the order of how they die. So we just killed off uh, Lambert, and we don't have anyone for Parker. We'll talk about him at the end. So the next up is the Xenomorph. Amy, Joe, your thoughts on Balahi Badejo, and who would you cast if you had to cast? I, I, I clearly, is you know, it's <laughs> of who you would cast if you had to cast someone else. Um, but I just think as a like movement performer in this big alien suit he's so good he brings such an uh, other watch me <laughs> it's so watch that moment we should find so that good. moment and and, and oh, sure. make it into a gift because yeah, we'll, it we'll just it. is we'll it. like we'll do it. it's yeah. so Broadway, and oh, yeah. you know you gotta he's extending through the tips of his fingers yeah. you know he's that like sending that energy out. people 
<laughs> but I think he's great. Uh, he's a uh, Nigerian Badejo. While a 26-year-old design student was discovered in a bar by a member of the casting team who put him in touch with Ridley Scott. Scott believed that Badejo, at 6 feet 10 inches Woo! and with a slender frame, could portray the alien and look as if his arms and legs were too long to be real, creating the illusion that a human being could not possibly be inside the costume. Stuntmen Eddie Powell and Roy Scammell also portrayed the alien in some scenes. So Badejo regretted that no one can recognize him well, as the yeah. alien in the movie, but he said thinking back on other successful actors who have their, made their, began their careers by playing grotesque monsters, he added, the fact that I played the part of the alien for me, that's good enough. Legally, I'll be given the opportunity of doing a follow-up if there is one, uh, which I guess this interview came out between yeah. Alien and Aliens. Uh, and although he was training for a career on graphic design, oh, yeah, although he was training for a career on graphic design and commercial art, he exclaimed, not if a film comes along, but he would disappear into anonymity after. That's so interesting because someone who's six foot ten that you're going to find in a film often is going to be quite beefy. So, like, mm. finding a very slender six foot ten is very useful if you want something that, like, then when you put the right, like, headpiece and, and yeah, stuff total. on top of total. that person, yeah. they're going to look a bit, um, yeah, j just, yeah, a little less human uh, because you're playing with proportion as opposed to, like, well, this just looks like a giant person. Exactly. Which, uh, right off the bat, some of those consider for the xenomorph was Peter Mayhew, Chewbacca himself. Oh! <laughs> Who's the other guy? What's his name? Who who played Jaws and was in Happy Gilmore? Not Jaws oh, the shark. Uh, yes, I realized immediately afterwards what you meant, and I was like, "You're like Jaws was Jaws a puppet." Um, oh, I I for... Richard. Yeah, yeah. Richard, Richard something. Kind, no. Richard kind. <laughs> Richard Keel. Richard kind as Lambert. Um, we gotta Richard get off kind this spaceship. As, Richard kind as Brett. Um, sure. Wallace Shawn as Lambert. Oh, <laughs> yes. I think it's Richard. Keel. Richard Keel, I think you're absolutely right. Richard Keel. Yeah. Um, because I think, yeah, I forget if we. I think we've talked about him. I think we have. I think he was up for Fezzik for uh Princess Spider. There's not episode. that many people that and are like Carol Striekin as Lurch in that uh -huh, family. Someone uh -huh. else is very very tall, but these are not very slim slim men. No. Ridley suggested. <laughs> Don't know if this is true. I thought it was so funny though. We're trying to figure out of how to how to do this alien. Ridley Scott suggested for the alien, they could. Strap two kids to an adult. No. And have them wrapped in rubber. <laughs> How does that work? In what way? I don't, Where? I can't imagine it would. I just imagine him just laughing to be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Trust me, trust me, trust me. And just be like, whatever. Some, like, yeah, my brother in law who I hate. Like, yeah, I got, I got a job for you, my movie guy. Uh, all right, guy. You always said, uh, hey, put me in one of your movies. Yeah, you you and your two dumb kids. I got jobs for all of you. Get, hold on, hold on to your kids. And I just get them over. Oh, that won't work? <laughs> oh, what a shock. Oh, it's stuck. Okay, we're break for lunch. We'll we'll get that off you in a second and afterwards. Um, <laughs> he also, they proposed trying a robotic alien, but safety was an issue with that at the time or mm. in terms of what they could do with robotics. I don't know. Unimpressed with the poor body cast mold made of Badejo, H.R. Geiger, who designed the alien, of course, was prepared to suggest a replacement before he'd actually met Badejo in person. And one of his suggestions was supermodel Varushka, um, which is just a fantastic name. Yes. And who Geiger described as just as tall as Badejo. But uh, when he finally met uh, Badejo, then Geiger was like, oh, no, he is perfect for the alien role yeah. and insisted that a new body cast be made. Mm. Um, all for, oh, which, all for the best. So it's such What an incredible design. It really is like one of the most oh, iconic incredible. Yeah. film creatures. Um, the little mouth inside the mouth. It's just constantly drooling it's just disgusting um and 
what do you think of what do you think of Tommy Lee Jones as a xenomorph? Because he said of the roles, this is the only one he was interested in. A Tommy Lee Jones just running around. That little like the alien opens its mouth and the little alien comes out, opens its mouth, and this Texan and accent, little Texan accent like, comes out. I'm a xenomorph. I'm a xenomorph, y'all. Welcome. Can, I love Nostromo. You can run, but you cannot hide from me. Tommy Lee Jones, alien, gonna hunt you down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because if you have Harrison Ford as Dallas, now we got ourselves a prequel to The Fugitive. but in, Or in reverse, it's now Harrison Ford's hunt and Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, it makes sense <laughs> to somebody. Uh, and finally, we come to, of course, Ripley. Amy Jo, your thoughts on the Siggy Weaves. Oh, Sigourney Weaver. And who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? Listeners of this pod who have listened to, I don't know, probably any two random episodes <laughs> have probably heard me extol my love for Sigourney Weaver. We Sigourney. I think she is magnificent. So this. Um, she's so good it's just like that intensity that she yeah. brings um and she's so good in action you know yeah. like in an action so, yeah. film um yeah i just i think she's wonderful what a great choice no wonder it made yeah. her a star you know? i know it's just it's just like it's just a great like no nonsense performance yes. like no frills there's no yeah it's, it's not like it's a character lacking quirks or idiosyncrasies but she she's just someone's have time right you know? i'm exactly she doesn't have time like i'm doing my job i'm reacting to and right now my job is taking up a lot of brain space so could we cut the crap yeah and that yeah. last i mean she owns that last the last 20 oh minutes but it's just her it's so great it's so so and great. just like to watch i mean her like stripping out of everything and being in her underwear when of course she then like finds this alien it's just like to, to watch her like body language she's like finally able to relax oh. and then realizes she can't <laughs> and then it's like getting into that suit and just that intensity of focus and like of her like yes yeah, singing to herself but just, i don't it's just so yeah, well i love done. that she's not yeah she's not screaming and like she's not like the typical final girl yeah. where it is the person like i've got to get the inner strength to do the thing but i'm still terrified it's like she's scared and but she's still just like this is the job she and immediately she, develops a plan she's like okay this is what yeah i'm gonna do you know like like her with a flamethrower looks like the most natural her, yes a flamethrower one hand and with a boxed cat in the other boxed looks cat. like the most natural sight she's in the world throwing that cat i love there's some quote when she was talking about Galaxy Quest. She's like, if I'm going back into space, I'm doing it as a blonde. Fantastic. Oh my god. Galaxy uh, Quest. I'll watch I love I'll watch it every day. Um my other thoughts for people of the period are gonna be no surprise. Mm-hmm. I'd say like a Gina Davis makes oh, sure, a lot of sense. Sure. I almost hate to say this. Oh. Um be, and I don't think it's like the greatest choice, mm-hmm. but it's interesting because if, if this actor had gone this way in their career at this point in time, they probably would have had a very different career. But oh. Merrill. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, because sure, they sure, both sure. famously graduated from the same class from yeah. Yale and Merrill got all the good parts and sure Sigourney did. played all the old ladies because Sigourney is yeah. also like six feet tall and Merrill is a bit shorter, mm. you know. But interesting to think like if Merrill had done like a high like a big hit action film in the late 70s how would yeah. that have affected how we view if her Meryl today had done this and sigourney had done kramer versus kramer like, like what what, what would that have done happened? um because yeah. they're both incredible and they you know yeah. it's not like sigourney hasn't had two two oscar nominations uh three because uh working uh grills in the mist, mist. working girl and, and aliens oh i thought year of living dangerously nope Okay. No, no, no. Um, Linda Hunt won an Oscar for that. But right. Not nominated. But okay. she got nominated for the for Aliens, which is rad. Yes. Because it's, I mean, she's so good in it. But of like to be nominated for genre fair exactly. like this is it's... so rare, especially for a sci-fi action. Yeah. It's one thing like, oh, for 
you know, as we said with Science of the Lambs, it's like still a little stri- out there that it mm-hmm. got the, such accolades. So such so deserved. But yeah. usually you're just like, oh, it's a great performance, but the, uh, the Academy will never recognize it. But yes. for a movie like Aliens, a movie where you're fighting a bunch of alien monsters uh, is but wild. She's they got so but she's so, so good. good. Yeah. But so anyway, I thought that. Yeah. It would have been interesting to see like what 1979 sure. Merrill would have done. Um, more contemporary. You know who is the first person that came to mind that I'd be very interested in seeing mm-hmm. play Ripley today is Samira Wiley from Orange oh. is the New Black. Ooh. She's someone who's great at being no nonsense, yet she yeah. has charm. Yeah. I could. T- I mean, she also just like looks like she belongs in a flight suit. You know, I'm lo- like, oh, I, I want to see that. I yeah. think she'd be great. And then a totally different option, and this is going to be more skewed to people like me who watch a lot of British television, <laughs> is Rachel Sterling, mm-hmm. um, who's Diana Riggs' daughter. Um, and she's done oh. like eight ton of oh. British TV, but she's like gorgeous, got these like huge eyes, but like brings the uh, gravitas and intensity. Yeah. And I'm like, I'd love to see her in an action film. I don't sure. think I've seen that. She's mainly done like period TV shows right, kind right. of thing. Cool. You saying Diana Rigg made me think, of course, I, I my mind went to her in Game of Thrones. So I was like, oh, Lena Headey, Cersei Lannister oh. as as Ripley, I think would yeah. be would be absolutely rad. Um, my thoughts included. Well, of the day, as I already said, Pam Greer, I also think would yeah, be amazing as Ripley. Totally. It would be so, so cool. And But also, I think born the same year as Sigourney, Sissy Spacek is also oh, that's that's someone choice. that I'm like, yeah, you want the, the person that's just kind of like scrubbed free. That's just like, I don't have time for whatever. And like not a bit of like Hollywood artifice. Exactly. You know, just like you don't smell. That's the thing that works really well about this film. I feel like you don't smell Hollywood on any of these actors. You I know? agree. They're just they're kind all, of they like. They all just feel like real people. Totally. That's what Roger Ebert said in his review that he liked that. It, he liked that aside from Sigourney and Veronica Cartwright, everyone else is like much, much older than you normally get in this kind of yeah. movie at that time. You normally have like these young, sexy stars and you're like, these are just like, these all look like real people that you see every that day. That would be working a job like that this. That would be working a job like this. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which I think works mm-hmm. great for the film. Um, and then made more recently, uh, Lupita. Yeah, come I on. Was like, come on. She's on my, my yeah. longer form I, I mean, made, whatever, 10 years ago, whatever, in terms, I mean, it really is just because of Trinity. I was like, Carrie Ann Moss as, totally. yes. as Ripley. I mean, it's She'd a very it. similar, you know, if The Matrix was made in 79, Sigourney as Trinity. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was actually someone, because she has like incredible range, so I don't see any reason why she couldn't. Stephanie Beatriz, who plays uh, Rosa oh, in Brooklyn yeah. Nine-Nine. Oh, I'm into sound, that. In real life, she just has like this crazy like just little like high-pitched like girly voice and on the show she's yeah, it's, if you've watched brooklyn Nine Nine, it's just like this real no-nonsense hey. rosa yeah exactly um she's such a badass on the show and i yeah. i think that she could easily oh, she'd be great translate that into a non-sitcom environment uh and do something like this i would be really interested in because there were like the rumors when um that woman was getting recast that mm-hmm. she was interested and i was like would have loved and it went to someone else who I don't remember off the top of my someone I've not heard of but someone else that also looks really cool but Stephanie Beatriz is great Stephanie Beatriz is great um so when casting the role of Ripley Ridley Scott invited several women from the production office to watch the screen tests and thus gain a female perspective oh great smart on you Ridley Scott yes and the women were unanimously impressed with the then unknown Sigourney Weaver whose screen presence they compared to Jane Fonda's totally I was like also someone who would have been a good Ripley but at this point I think had an oscar and it's probably like you're not getting jane fonda yeah. to do this and also if you have jane fonda then you lose the surprise if she's the one yes that like... it's like remembering that that you're like oh 
Right. This wasn't Sigourney Weaver exactly. yet. Exactly. She's a complete unknown. I think I forget if she and had. And she really doesn't have a lot to do in the first little bit of the movie. I mean, she does, but no more right. than anybody else. Like they really didn't weight it in such yeah. a way that you're like, oh, this is the, this is our star. She's not. She's not. She's not even going on the initial mission to go yeah. investigate. And she's not happy about these it. These alien eggs. She's not. <laughs> she's stuck with. I gotta be stuck with the robot. <laughs> I don't know yet as a robot. But uh, I don't trust him. Yeah. And Weaver was the last actor to be cast. Part of her audition was shot on the movie's sets, which were in the process of being built. That's how late it was. And she had to rush to her audition due to traffic, and her flushed appearance helped convince the makers that she would be a good candidate for Ripley, which I love. I love when you're just like, when, you know, you're running into an audition, like sweating. I think Jennifer Lawrence for um, Winter's Bone, which I think got her her first Oscar nomination, yes. like she like flew to New York and like walked through like, like 10 blocks through like a thunderstorm. So she came in like, drenched in rain like w like with a bit of a cold so she like snot running down her nose and, and like auditioned like that and they're like okay well you clearly don't care you know about looking glamorous which that works is what for this works, yeah. works very well for winter's bone and i feel like it's very similar for this you want that yeah the person that's like i, sh I should be sweating and flushed and you're like i feel badly about this but i don't have traffic. any time to right exactly uh so here are actors who were up for so really interested right off the bat Veronica Cartwright uh. was set to play Ripley, <gasps> and she learned she had been replaced and was instead offered the role of Lambert only when she was called in to do costume tests. What? They called her and was like, great, this is your costume as Lambert. It's like, what? I know. Also, like, don't they have contracts and stuff? You would think that. I don't. Wow. I mean, I 1979, how, like, they were playing fast and loose. I wonder how that was yeah. back then. I have no idea. That... But it really stinks. Wow. It really stinks to be like, oh, no, you're going to go play this one who's just, like, crying and in distress and whining the whole oh, time. Oh, that blows. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think that's when she was like, do I want to just walk away? Yeah. Or do I want... Then they talked to her and be like, you're the audience or again. And then, you know, she's in one of the most iconic movies ever made. So, True. you know. True. She, she won... Because it got nominated for a few uh, Saturn Awards, which are like the genre mm -hmm. Oscars. And she won the supporting. Sigourney was nominated. And then Veronica Wright won for supporting actor that year. Right. So good on I her, mean, but... between this and The Birds, to have been in two hugely iconic films, True. like most actors are lucky if yeah. they get to be in anything that approaches like successful, much less like, oh, no, yeah. two extremely iconic <laughs> blockbusters that people still like reference in other work and films and song, you know? 100%. As we said with Psycho last week of anthony perkins just him and janet lee both were like well we'd rather be you know we're typecast and known exclusively for psycho pretty much but you'd rather be known for one great thing than to not be known at all or yeah. to be known for like a bunch of terrible films you know totally. to be like oh he was oh yeah from that uh you know any actor from the room it's like that's what you're known as yeah. the actor from yep. tommy Wiseau's the room uh jill clayberg turned ripley hmm. down uh, who I mean, I mainly knew from like her roles later in life, specifically as she's Kristen Wiig's mom in Bridesmaids. And I saw her on Broadway in Barefoot in the Park with Amanda Peet right. and Patrick, Patrick Wilson. Wilson. Um, so in 1979, she was doing this comedy starting over with Burt Reynolds and Candace Bergen, so where she got her second of two Oscar nominations. But she was also doing this film called Luna, directed by Bernardo Bertolucci, which here's the plot description. While touring Italy... A recently widowed American opera singer has an incestuous relationship with her 15-year-old son to help him over his heroin addiction. Now, there, a lot was just <laughs> described. That seems like a very... They've stated that as though that's a normal cause and effect. <laughs> 
back. That's a real Mad Libs of a plot description. <laughs> and also, Ooh, that talk wow. about alternative medicine. I. <laughs> this is why it was shot in Italy. <laughs> well, apparently it's Bertolucci, so it's like that's going to be Italy. But apparently, Italy was like, okay, they can't be Italian. This this film is disgusting. They have to be Americans. They have oh to be. Gosh. You can't have them be Italian. So they that's why be he cast Phil Clay about example. Should be French. We don't like it. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that was a critically Yikes. reviled film. So also, yeah, which is why I'm comfortable being, you know. Being, I'm going to, you know, sometimes when the critics are like, oh, wow, they're saying this movie sounds stupid, but the critics are saying it's good. So probably it's a little arty, but is good. But when the critics are all like, this is terrible, and it's a film that sounds like that, I'm I'm, I'm going to go ahead and assume that I never need to see that film yeah, and that it's a pile same. of garbage. So that was a big year. She had a year where she got an Oscar nomination, and she had a year where she was trying to help her son no. through his heroin addiction by The actor's life is him. full of highs and lows, <laughs> often atop one another in a way that defies geometry i think by the time i mean clearly from all the, what we said of who what actors were up for it i think by this point when they were auditioning they'd already set that par, uh, lambert and ripley would be played by mm-hmm. uh women would be women and everyone else would be played by men because it wasn't like there were multiple you know men and women up for any of these roles right. um which is unfortunate kind of i kind of be cool if they had it all the way up to the casting to be like let's get that hole you know i'm definitely the type of actor that have gone in for things and it's been like i went in for a role a few years ago and and they clearly didn't know what they wanted at all and i walk into the walk into the waiting room like i know that guy i know that guy she looks familiar but like (laughs) like the the guy who went in right before me is a tall mixed race gentleman who like does very like riffs like crazy mm. and like sings this like all the and it doesn't sing how I sing and right. also is a tall mixed race gentleman. So it's like yeah they uh they wow, don't know they, what they they're want. Just, they're just yeah they've got a whole they don't know they don't know what they want. We've got him over here. We've got her over there and the xenomorph practicing his arms outstretched belting. Am I the xenomorph? <laughs> Am I the xenomorph? <laughs> That'll be I mean if he ever came out uh Bidejo came out with an autobiography. Am I the xenomorph? Is a, a brilliant title to an autobiography. Uh-huh. Um, but I was mentioning that because Helen Mirren auditioned for a role, but I could not find out which one. So I would assume mm. Ripley, or it could have been Lambert. Well, because she was like by that point in time a big deal in the UK. Yeah, she'd been doing she'd been doing some stuff. Unfortunately, in 1979, instead of Alien, she was doing the infamous movie of Caligula, where they I... just like after the fact just insert it like willy nilly inserted just scenes of pornography like hardcore pornography all throughout the film yeah Um, uh, yeah. she's also in a fairy tale theater episode of the little mermaid where she plays you know in the original tale and the prince actually marries another woman is she the other woman yep Uh, but i will say like going back and watching it now it's like oh my goodness she she was like a beautiful woman always but she's someone who's just like oh wow like some people you're like oh when you hit 60 it was like no one can touch you for glamour and you know i was like yeah you were like attractive in the 80s but oh my gosh it's like you see i I passed her on the street a few years ago when she was doing the queen because she was stage dooring and it was on the, uh, the audience. The audience. Sorry, she yes. The she played the queen. She played the, I mean, know, it's, um, it's all, she's always the she's queen. She's always the queen of she's my heart. She's the queen heart. of my heart. Ah! Hey. <laughs> but <laughs> she, so I like was past, so, and Bill Nye was doing Skylight at the same time. Oh. So I, and they're next door to one another, those theaters, because there's like that yeah, whole yeah, row yeah. of theaters. Um, And I like, 
I, I was like, oh my gosh, look, these shows are letting out. And I was like, oh, there's Bill Nye <gasps> signing autographs. Oh, there's Helen Mirren. Oh my like, God. So I like, Amazing. and I was running late to something. So I was like, well, this is a, I can't stop to gawk, but this is a right, good right. day for me. That is great. I love that. I love that. Um, so I'm assuming, I, I mean, Helen Mirren, I'm assuming at this point, it was either for Lambert or Ripley. Right. Because I, I, I don't think they were, you know, considering women for Kane or, well, I mean, Can you I knew, imagine I, a British woman playing Captain Dallas. <laughs> I Lindsay Duncan as Captain Lindsay Dallas. Lindsay Duncan as Captain Dallas. Sure, why not? Um, I mean, Helen Mirren's great. I mean, it's still, it's also, it helps that Sigourney has played the role four different times. Yeah. Uh, and got that Oscar nomination the second time. So it's, it's like, it's such an iconic performance. Hey, yeah. Um, it's impossible to imagine anyone else. But like, if she just had an audition, if she was busy doing another role, so it's like, oh, I can't audition for that monster movie or whatever. And Helen Mirren, I'm like, I, I don't know. I love Helen Mirren, but it's a weird, she'd be great, but it's definitely... Well, it took a while for her to come to prominence in America, really. That's so, true. like, it might have, com- well, not might have, it would have completely changed the yes. trajectory of her career. This is very true. Uh, and finally, the role of Ripley came down between Sigourney and Meryl Streep. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even know that, but I knew you it. You knew it. You know? You knew it. Uh, and Weaver was offered the job. So, I don't know if the way this was phrased, if it makes it sound like Meryl could, it was if it was hers to lose. Um but this is right after John Cazale oh, died. died, so yeah, she partner, was like, yeah. "Yeah." So she was in mourning and was not not about doing, to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know if as uh, Meryl could have done it, which is like wild to imagine because Meryl Streep, as far as I know, has never done any kind of movie like this. Meryl no. Streep in like any kind of genre of film, a, a, a science fiction movie or a horror movie or. Not like real genre. Like right. Mamma Mia is as genre as she gets. Well, you know? well, Into the Woods is more genre in terms that's of like she's playing that's a witch, true. you know, yeah. or like, yeah, I'm trying to think of anything but along like, those it's lines. It's funny because it was like so early like in this. her career, you take, yeah. you know, what you get kind of, you know. I mean, um, to an extent, I think this was after Kramer versus Kramer, or I mean, she might not have won the Oscar yet. But, but but I, think I still Kramer's mean like Kramer's like seventy eight. You you aren't necessarily like I'm Meryl Streep. Well, yeah. And so I know that I can turn down a job, and that right, another right. one will be ready for me that will be better. Yeah. And oh, also, I know what I do. You yeah. Know? Or you know what? This is after Deer Hunter. So she's already she's already done the Deer Hunter, um, which also Christopher Walken. Any of these roles? Christopher Walken yes. running around. Christopher Walken as Kane. Yeah. And killing him off first. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because he also was still able to keep it together a bit and not just be wackadoodle. Yeah, you know, time. my favorite, my favorite wackadoodle, Christopher Walken. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's wild to imagine. It's wild to imagine if Streep and had taken the role. I think she would have been great. Of course. However, I mean, it's Meryl. I think, but Sigourney, Sigourney, it's her role. She is Ripley. She's it's so perfect. unselfconscious. She's yeah. so lived in. It's yeah. incredible. And she just takes everything already here and just like completely ups it for yeah. the sequel when you add in all the stuff where like with her and Newt and hers like mm-hmm. this like mother-daughter relationship they add in it's just it's brilliant it's just a brilliant 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 characterization and it's like I mean the role she's known for she's done so many other roles and yeah but that's yeah she's always gonna be Ripley yeah uh which is as she should because she's so so good now there are a few characters we didn't mention so we gotta briefly touch on them because there's really only two more there is of course we've mentioned him a bit Parker uh, played by Yafit Koto who's so he's good such a great like breath of fresh air in the film because he's so fun he's so like his first line is just like oh yeah so uh me and brett were kind of thinking we're right about those bonuses just like they is just hounding yeah 
it immediately like in the writing establishes character yeah. but then the way in which he delivers it it's so lived in and it's it's a comedic performance without being a comedic performance exactly exactly so he had uh recent success in the Li- live and let die one of the, the roger moore bond live movies and let die. Live and let die. exactly in 1973 so that's why he was sent the script offered to him uh mm-hmm. kind of based off that and according to afet koto ridley scott told him to annoy sigourney weaver off camera so that there would be tension between their characters and koto regretted this because he really liked weaver Aww. i know it's like i guess it's good for the movie but it's i just thinking of like apparently like there's a lot of friction between sigourney and to a lesser extent, Veronica Cartwright and the rest of the cast, because you also have like these two women who are like 29 and yeah, 30. Everyone else is like these, these older like, bros. Yeah, like from late 30s to like early 50s. So there was some like, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of like, I've been around sets a little longer than little you, lady. Little, little lady, little miss. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yes, me. Hey, there, it's me, Tommy Lee Jones is the alien. I got the most experience around these sets. So <laughs> uh, listen to me when I try to scare you. <laughs> uh did you have any thoughts of a different parker yeah i mean no one really contemporary yeah. uh with it but i was like oh if this is more recent um you want someone who's just like yeah oodles of personality but yeah. isn't going to necessarily then overblow the film totally like you don't want a jim carrey in this role no, you know but no. i was like ooh, like natasha leone would be super oh, fun you're yeah. just like kind of like distinctive <laughs> voice you're like well there's no one quite like that and then um i was like oh you know like not not right now but like you know a, a few years ago john leguizamo maybe oh yeah Again, fast talking, wisecracking, yeah. and, and of your like your buddy pair of him and Brett, you've got the more you you need the one that's doing all the talking. I mean, J- Joe Pesci as Parker and Daniel yep. Stern as Brett. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that works really well. I know. Um, I or I, I mean, like Catherine O'Hara as Ripley. <laughs> we got ourselves sure. a movie. Macaulay Culkin as Jones the Cat. Um, <laughs> I what was I thinking? Oh, I, I he just came to mind, but I was like in terms of like your modern day. I was because I just been rewatching The Office along with the Office Ladies podcast. It was like oh, Craig Robinson, uh, as who plays Daryl on The Office is I I think is very could give a very similar ish mm. performance. But it's funny you said Natasha Lyonne because I was thinking of other Orange Is the New Black actors, specifically uh, Adrian Seymour who played Sydney on the show because it's like mm. who's so good at like. You still love her, even though she is so good at getting under everyone's skin, which is what you want with Parker. Because I just love that scene where it's like Ripley is just trying to talk to him and the ship is kind of busted. Steam is pouring out and she's like, would you listen? And then she just leaves and then he just turns a valve and the steam goes right off. So clearly he just had it on just Uh so she would leave. Um, Or Leah Delaria. Yes, uh, who uh, from Boo delight. on Arts and New Black and many other things. It's so good, but I was just like, oh, imagining her and Constance Shulman, so Boo and Yoga Jones yes. as this little buddy pair. Uh, I, I thought would have been that's really fun, real fun, real fun. Uh, and then of course we got Ash Ian, the incomparable Ian Holm, uh, which I mean, he's he's great. It's it was Ian Holm, people. It was Ian Holm. I have a heart next to it. Then slash, and this is nothing against Ian Holm, but I was like, of course they made him English. It's like an evil robot. Why don't we make him British? You know, I know. which they play against well because in um, Prometheus, because then like the two recent movies, Prometheus and Alien Covenant, that mm-hmm. Ridley Scott did, that have like they're tied. It's uh, Michael Fassbender as like this robot oh. David. That in the first one he's completely David. good, but ew, David. Um, but in the second one, there's a, then like another version of him that's 
Walter, but also an Amer- I, th- I think Walter, Walter, but is an Amer- but is an American. So it's just like, hello there, it's me, David. I'm Walter. We yeah. look alike. To now me, we're gonna I- awkwardly flirt. These two little. I just think robots. of Walter being like Fred McMurray in Double Indemnity. <laughs> it's sure. me, Walter. Um, sure. I do have some other thoughts about people that I'm like, ooh. I would love to. Uh, my first choice, the only one I'm realizing now, with an exclamation point after it, is Tilda Swinton. <laughs> I mean, she yeah. slept in a box at MoMA. Like she can play an alien. You know sure. what I mean? I thought you meant she just slept in a box. I was like, wow. Okay. Well, yeah. No, no, no. Good she slept her. in a glass box at sure. I think it was MoMA. I missed it. Um, <laughs> and then this, this is obviously due to a particular role and a very uh specific famous scene uh-huh. but betty gabriel who uh, plays uh, georgina and oh. get out mm-hmm. she's like sure no 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 yeah <laughs> and the like single tear it's like oh yeah you do that like kind of i'm fighting against everything going on inside really well yeah um and then i have alan rickman on here and then this there's no way you have this person and go that person's not evil but klaus kinski <laughs> No, Klaus can see as the xenomorph. There, that actually makes that a lot more I sense. I want Werner Herzog's alien with Klaus Kinski. Just Werner Herzog's alien. Oh, absolutely! Oh, no. Herzog would be great. Herzog's a fantastic director. It's and true. Klaus Kinski is his muse, and Klaus Kinski he could have him as Faust, but really you want him as the xenomorph, and you want him just rampaging around as only Klaus Kinski. It's true, could. but if for some reason he's not the xenomorph, I think the robot is the next best choice. But like, what's the next tomato, tomato. wacky thing? We can <laughs> what's do the next with wacky? Thing. Okay, we got Alien, then the robot. If he doesn't want to do either of those, well, we'll make him the cat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. All right, final thoughts. Anything that we haven't touched on? Um, I I remember commenting on this at the time. It's I don't think it's strictly true, but I love the real time feel at the end. I love that like by oh, the yeah. end when she sets the timer, we feel like we're experiencing that in real time. And whether or not we are, it's pretty close, you know. Totally. Which yeah. I think is a really cool effect. Um and uh that's it (laughs) great uh i will end on this the blue laser lights that were used in the alien ship's egg chamber were borrowed from the who the band was testing out the lasers for their stage show in the soundstage next door you always end with something that is delightful and surprising and i tell you what i didn't expect that well then i'm doing my job that's great Amy Joe, Jeff. What are you recommending this week? I'm so glad you asked. I'm recommending uh, one of the best books I've ever read. Uh, it's James Baldwin's Giovanni's Room. It is a, a classic of the queer canon, and it is so gorgeously written and constructed. As my brother has said about James Baldwin, like it almost makes you want to throw the book across the room because the writing is so much better than you'll ever be able to do. But you can't because it's so good. You got to keep reading. So I'm recommending Giovanni's Room by James Baldwin. Love it. Jeff. Amy Cho. What are you recommending this week? I'm so glad you asked. I wanted to think of another film about a with a badass heroine that's just like kicking ass and taking names. So I wanted to recommend uh, the 2017 film Revenge. Uh, it's a French revenge action horror film written and directed by Coralie Fargit uh, about this woman who is attacked and left for dead by her married boyfriend and his two hunter friends. But 
I love there was like one pull quote that I thought was like such per- so perfectly encapsulated that was gouges the male gaze out of their eyes. Uh, yes, it's just I saw it at this all night horror fest a few years ago. Um, it's on Shutter. It's some of the most like just visceral. It's it's a very visceral film. So it is a, it was a tough watch. I w- just in terms of the violence, but she this actor. Um, What's her name? Uh, Matilda Lutz, who I keep waiting to blow up the way that like Anna de Armas has. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm like this. This woman should be in a, the in a Bond film because she is incredible, incredible in this. I, I looked up like the trivia is like she doesn't have a line after like something like the 30 minute mark, and I didn't I didn't realize wow. that in watching because she's an incredible like expressive physical performer. Um, and it's shot gorgeously. It's shot incredibly. Uh, it's just, it's one of those movies, you know. A woman is attacked and left for dead. It feels like, do we ever? Do we need? Did we ever need any of those movies? Um, and if we ever needed any of them, I think it's only this one because you have this badass woman writing and directing it. It's such a great like, um, feminine perspective mm. on this type film. And it as like violent and off, disgusting and like awful some of the moments can be uh it's shot beautifully it's almost it reminded me some of it's kind of mad max fury road in terms of like mm. the most gorgeous of colors and cinematography uh of this like desolate despair so yeah that's what i'm gonna recommend for our final final week of our spooky scary movie spooky month scary we, I, movie I never came up with like a better month. title of like and almost scaring or anything like that but you know what it's a, a, listeners it was our wow. spooky scary movie month we almost made it through all four without you letting loose with an almost scaring but you got it right in at the end i'm just that good <laughs> and that's what we're recommending this week Da-da-da. Do you have a movie that you'd love for us to break down a casting of? Email us at endalmoststarring at gmail.com and let us know. And Jeff, what are we doing next week? Well, if you want to know what we're doing next week, you, Amy Joe, and you listeners at home, you should follow us on Facebook and or Instagram at and almost starring because every Saturday we reveal what we'll be doing. Wow, this is news to me, <laughs> the person bet. in control of the Instagram. <laughs> well, that's not good. <laughs> have you been posting this? Um, and right, and every Friday on Instagram, you uh, we have a little fun little game where you could try to guess. We'll give you some clues, and you could try to figure it out. Uh, and yeah, and if you are feel so inclined, please go to iTunes or wherever you can rate and review podcasts, and maybe drop us some uh, some five stars. Throw five stars up there. It doesn't matter what you say. What matters is the stars and you saying, loved it. Or, you know, pretty good. Or like, hey, use twos, talk more or less. I don't know, something. Any of those will be great. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And thanks for joining us to see who almost starred.